Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we have owner and clinic director of HBOT USA, Dr. Jason Saunders. You know, in traditional medicine, we're getting really good at keeping people sick but alive for very long periods of time versus learning how to improve people's quality of life in the amount of years that we have. And so digging deep and getting into improved mitochondrial function is, I think, it's like the cornerstone of improving quality of life and longevity simultaneously so that we can actually be living the life that we need or that we want and the one that we deserve. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper. Hope you're doing amazing today. I am excited to share Dr. Jason Saunders with you, who is a colleague of mine. We work together with Dr. Pompa's Platinum Organization. And on this episode, we're talking all about oxygen. You will totally geek out and be blown away on the benefits of getting oxygen to your cells and what it does. We're going to talk about how you can upgrade your mitochondria, which is the energy power plant in your body, which burns fat, produces energy, and how you can upgrade your mitochondria with oxygen, how oxygen can protect against viruses, bacteria, and pathogens. We're going to explain how hyperbaric oxygen therapy actually works. You might have heard about it before, HBOT. We're going to talk about oxygen for reducing inflammation in the body and helping your body heal and burn fat and lose weight. We also discuss easy ways to increase oxygen in the body that you can start doing right after you listen to the episode, and then practical biohacks that will change your life. We also get into his amazing book called Oxygen Under Pressure and so much more. So I can't wait to bring Dr. Jason Saunders on the Keto Camp Podcast. Before I do, I want to acknowledge you for choosing the show. At all the shows out there, you chose this one and it really does help. It helps the show grow when you listen, when you share, when you leave a review. So I encourage you please to leave the show a rating and review. And if you're brand new, welcome. Please consider leaving the show a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. And if you're brand new, welcome. Please consider hitting that subscribe button as we release two to three brand new episodes of the Keto Camp Podcast every single week. Take a screenshot of this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast and shoot us a tag on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at TheBenazadi and at Keto Camp Official. And Dr. Saunders is at HBOTUSA. When I see it, I will share it and we'll have some other Keto Campers following you back. I'll be hosting a 60-minute webinar on keto and fasting on June 19th, 2020, which is a Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. On this webinar, I'm gonna teach you four ways to master keto and fasting. We're gonna have beginner and advanced strategies so you could get the results you want long-term. I'm also giving away over $200 worth in free 
digital downloads of keto recipe books, meal plans, smoothie guides, digital downloads of my books, and so much more. I only want you to sign up for this webinar if you can make it live. I cannot guarantee we're gonna record this and I want those who sign up to actually show up live and attend this amazing event. We have only 500 spots available and we currently are over 70% full. So if you're hearing this on time, head over to benazadiwebinar.com. We'll put a link in the notes below. benazadiwebinar.com and secure your spot today, but please only sign up if you plan on attending live. Because if you take somebody else's spot, you don't show up live, that is going to suck for that person who wanted to be there. So benazadiwebinar.com, I hope to see you on there Friday, June 19th. If you're struggling to find the right foods on your ketogenic lifestyle, I highly recommend you check out Catalan Fire's new lineup of keto soups. They are delicious, they live up to my high standards of quality ingredients, and they'll help you accelerate your ketogenic results. Visit kettleandfire.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout for a 15% off. That is kettleandfire.com slash ketocamp. Okay, let's talk all things oxygen with Dr. Jason Saunders. As the owner and clinic director at Core Therapies, Dr. Jason Saunders primarily practices functional medicine and is passionate about using detailed laboratory analysis and other tools to help his clients take their health to the next level. He uses nutrition, detoxification, hyperbaric oxygen, and herbal therapies to improve the health and quality of life for his patients. Dr. Saunders is on the faculty for the Medical Academy of Pediatric and Special Needs, as well as the International Hyperbaric Association, educating other doctors on alternative and complementary treatment methods. He also guest lectures for various functional medicine conferences around the country talking about regenerative medicine, the use of nutrition, fasting, red light therapy, and hyperbaric therapy on improving recovery from and performance in our lives. Dr. Saunders is the owner and clinical director of Gore Therapies Family Wellness Center, New Jersey Hyperbaric Oxygen Center, and HBOT USA, an international organization focused on helping educating practitioners and the public on hyperbaric oxygen. Dr. Jason Saunders, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you so much, Ben. It's great to be here. I'm excited to chat with you, all things oxygen, brother. And before we talk about that and your wonderful book and all the things you're doing with Melissa, let's talk about your story. How did you get involved with what you're doing right now? So um, long story short is, you know, a personal, personal story, of course. I actually, so I'm a chiropractor. I've been doing, you know, chiropractic, exercise, rehab, nutrition type uh, treatments for about 15, 16 years. About 12 years ago, I herniated a disc in my back. And uh, I was doing all the things I would normally do for anybody else, uh, getting adjusted, you know, getting my proper, you know, natural anti-inflammatories going, doing good nutrition, uh, rehabbing properly. Uh, but I was left with a pretty bad uh, neurologic deficit in my right leg. So I had drop foot for about a year and a half after the, the herniation. So I was, the pain was gone. I was still treating patients. I was back to work, but, you know, I was, I was left with a complete drop foot in my right side. So I actually happened to be at a conference where they had these chambers. At the time, I had no idea really what they were or what they did. They just looked cool. So, you know, they were doing demos. I asked the guy, hey, can I try, you know, a, a quick session? So I did about a 30-minute session. 
which was interesting. It seemed comfortable, but I didn't really think much of it. When I got out about 20 minutes later, I started getting like a tingling sensation, like a feeling in my foot that I hadn't had for almost a year and a half. So, you know, I said, wow, I wonder if that feeling I'm getting has something to do with that, you know, that chamber I was just in. So, you know, I went to go talk to the guy, you know, of course he said, yeah, oh, sure, <laughs> sure did. Uh, but I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't convinced yet, but what we did was we did about eight hours of sessions over the course of four or five days at that conference. And I left the conference with about 15, 20% recovery in my foot. Wow. Which was, that was the first real dent that that happened in my foot for that whole time. So needless to say, I bought a chamber, I, I brought it home. It took me about three or four months, but you know, I had complete recovery of, of my foot. And so once I saw that happening, that's got, that got me really involved in the research and, and just reading, you know, the research was a lot more limited back then, but, you know, reading everything that was out there at the time, you know, and then, you know, just continuing obviously to, you know, try to stay ahead of it and, uh, you know, continue to build protocols and help with research around the uh, hyperbaric. Really interesting. That's amazing. 15 to 20% better just from that experience. So what, what exactly was happening there? What improved the issue you were dealing with? So I had, I had sensory loss and motor loss, meaning I couldn't feel my foot about like half away of my shin, you know, down to my foot. And then I couldn't stand on my toes and I couldn't stand on my heels or I couldn't lift that foot up. So in the time that I was in the conference, I got a good portion of the feeling back, you know, the sensory portion in that foot but literally had no motor control still. Uh, and I wasn't sure even at that time when I bought one, if anything was going to happen, but I figured, you know, this was the first thing that really made, you know, a real big improvement in such a short period of time, it was worth a shot. So, but, um, you know, as I went, all the sensory came back first. So I got a full feeling back probably within about four to six weeks. And then the next few months was really where I started getting uh, motor control back. And then I was able to actually use my foot and then, you know, gain the strength back after that. So what exactly is hyperbaric oxygen therapy? I know several people have seen videos and articles about it, but for somebody who just has no idea what that is, can you explain it? Yeah. So, I mean, basically we all sort of know that all of our cells need oxygen. And so that's really the only reason we breathe is so that we could pull oxygen into our system so that we could feed ourselves and we could exhale carbon dioxide, which is, you know, like a cellular waste product basically. So as we breathe in, you know, there's a gas exchange that occurs. Oxygen goes into our circulatory system. It's bound to red blood cells. Those red blood cells travel throughout our body, dump the oxygen into the cells, which they're going to use it as, um, you know, just like your car engine needs a fuel and then oxygen. And that's what lights the fire that, that makes the combustion so that the engine can run. Well, uh, our mitochondria, which is part of our cell that makes the energy for our cell, it needs fuel which you guys know we could be using, you know, glucose or we could be using fatty acids or ketones. So that's the fuel source, but it needs a, it needs air, it needs oxygen as a nutrient for com combustion. So we mix our fuel sources with our oxygen and that's what allows us to create energy in our cells. What hyperbaric does, you know, right now we're limited, you know, if you know what a pulse oximeter is that you put on your finger, it tells you, you know, how much percentage oxygen your blood is carrying. So most of us, if we don't have, you know, a respiratory issue or a cardiac issue or coronavirus, most of us are going to be 98 to 100% saturated right now. And so we're limited in terms of how much oxygen we can carry. And what hyperbaric does is it pressurizes the air around us. And because of pressure, we could basically absorb or dissolve a greater amount of oxygen into our blood 
delivering a much higher level of oxygen to our cells. So it's delivering this oxygen to the cells, it's helping the mitochondria do its job. What is the significance of the mitochondria when it comes to fat loss, longevity, feeling good, having high energy levels? Yeah, man. So that's like a three-day seminar right there. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, the mitochondria is this little part inside of our cells, and its main job is to create ATP, which is cellular energy. So if your liver was going to make ketones or detoxify your body or do all the things or recycle hormones, all the things liver does, it needs energy for brain to make connections, to have thoughts, to, you know, to register what's going on inside of our environment. The brain needs energy. Our intestines need energy to absorb nutrients and to help get rid of waste. So all of our cells, depending on the tissue type, have mitochondria and the mitochondria's job is to build energy so that the cells of that tissue can do its job. So, I mean, the application of improved mitochondrial function is enormous. And what we know is, you know, the majority of chronic illnesses today, you know, heart disease, diabetes, uh, dementia, autoimmune conditions. I mean, so many of these chronic illnesses, which, you know, in traditional medicine, we're getting really good at keeping people sick, but alive for very long periods of time versus learning how to improve people's quality of life in the amount of years that we have. And so digging deep and getting into improved mitochondrial function is, I think it's like the cornerstone of improving quality of life and longevity simultaneously so that we can actually be living the life that we need or that we want and the one that we deserve. So you know, I think what we all know now, and I think what you teach a lot is the quality of mitochondrial function has a lot to do with the quality of uh, raw materials that we're dumping into that mitochondrial system. So we could be running on glucose, which is not super efficient or a clean burn, or we could be running on fat and ketones. So that's, that's like, uh, you know, you could be running on corn-filled gasoline in your car, you know, or you could be using like high tests, you know, and, and high octane fuel. So you can improve your fuel source, but you could also improve other aspects. And so certain nutrients like magnesium and CoQ10 could help make the mitochondria work better. Red light can improve how well the mitochondria moves electrons and makes energy. And then of course, oxygen is that final electron acceptor. Oxygen's the last step before those mitochondria can actually make energy. And so when you start to look at the mitochondria almost like a factory, you're dumping in raw materials, and then those raw materials need to go through a system. And as long as all those pieces are working well, the outcome is energy, carbon dioxide, which we're going to exhale, and water. And oxygen is that, you know, ketones could be like that first raw material getting dumped in, and oxygen is that last electron acceptor that allows the system to keep uh, pushing through. Oh, great explanation. I love that. So what, what are the most common reasons why somebody might lack this oxygen, meaning the oxygen is not getting into the cell as efficiently to create this magic that you're speaking about? So like I was saying, you know, the body, you know, we breathe it in, oxygen goes into our circulatory system, and then it's carried by red blood cells. If we need more oxygen, sometimes that's a local area. In other words, one particular part of our body that got injured 
And then sometimes that's systemic, like our whole body becomes hypoxic. So systemic, normal systemic examples would be literally like if you had some sort of lung issue, pneumonia, uh, certainly it looks like coronavirus is part of that picture as well. Or if you had some sort of heart issue where you're not pumping and circulating the blood effectively. So those could become systemic reasons for low oxygen. But as common, probably more common, would be local areas. And so what happens anytime we have an injury, there's uh, damage to the capillaries in our body. And the capillaries are the really tiny vessels where oxygen is delivered and carbon dioxide is picked up. So let's use a head injury like a concussion. You know, if you have some sort of trauma to your head, there's capillary damage. And because of that capillary damage, you can now not get oxygen to that area so that it has the fuel to heal it. And you can't carry carbon dioxide away, which makes the cells in that area start to become hyperinflamed. And so as that happens, the tissue around it starts to almost shut down, it could become even like uh, almost like it's hibernating because it's not getting the fuel that it needs and it's not getting rid of the waste that it needs to get rid of. And so the body shuts the metabolism down to protect it. And so, Interesting. yeah, so in a case like that, or it could be a trauma to your arm or your leg also, but in a case like that, the red blood cells that are carrying the oxygen, they can't get through because the capillary is broken. But what can get through is the liquid, the, the plasma portion of the blood nothing blocks that. And so the magic with hyperbaric is that instead of just delivering more oxygen, like carrying more in a red blood cell, really what it's doing is it's dissolving the oxygen into that plasma portion of the blood. And so now the liquid portion is becoming, normally we don't carry much in the plasma, but in this scenario, the plasma becomes like a, almost like an unlimited uh, reservoir, allowing us to, to dissolve and absorb oxygen into that liquid. And then we can start delivering that, you know, any which where, wherever tissue needs it. And so as long as there's liquid flow, now there's oxygen exchange occurring as a result of that. And so that pressurized environment is really what allows that to occur. So what, so let's talk about the, the COVID-19 coronavirus. You mentioned that having some sort of heart respiratory or, or respiratory condition can cause this lack of oxygen into the cells. We know that the COVID-19 coronavirus has an affinity for the respiratory system. So what is the correlation here? What can oxygen do for COVID-19? So, and again, you know, the information here changes just about every day, if not maybe every hour. But from what I'm reading and, and seeing so far, it appears as though where a typical infection or a typical pneumonia where it's only really attacking lung tissue, the problem becomes difficulty in breathing. And as a result of difficulty breathing and difficult air exchange, we're not getting oxygen into our circulatory system. So we're not getting good gas exchange due to like legitimate pulmonary function issues. What we're seeing here is a little bit different. It seems what we're seeing is that a lot of these patients, especially in sort of the mid-range of the infection, their oxygen levels are getting lower, but they're not necessarily having uh, the same explicit breathing issues the way a normal pneumonia would, would present. And so, you know, the standard of care is as soon as we see Remember I said the pulse oximeter. As yeah. soon as we see oxygen levels dropping, we're assuming right away that it's a lung issue. And so a lot of these patients are getting rushed to 
uh, ventilators to help them breathe when in, especially if it's not such a late stage, their breathing might not be the problem. Their oxygenation is the problem. And so one of the things that they're looking at right now is that instead of the infection just affecting lungs the way it normally would, or that we've seen other infections like this do, it's actually attacking the hemoglobin. And so it might be attacking what's called the beta chain of the hemoglobin, but hemoglobin is the part of the red blood cell that allows us to carry oxygen. And if the hemoglobin is being damaged, it changes the structure, the shape of the hemoglobin. And when it changes the structure of the hemoglobin, it changes the function of the hemoglobin. And all of a sudden, that hemoglobin is now becoming inefficient at its ability to carry oxygen, which is why we're seeing these low oxygen levels, even though the patient is breathing. And so one of the things that we're talking about a lot now is what are other ways we could be oxygenating these people besides ventilators? Because, you know, unfortunately, right now, the survival rate on a ventilator is not not really uh, favorable. And so, you know, are there other ways to put off the ventilation and potentially hyper oxygenate these people and at least keep them off the ventilator longer, if not maybe avoid the need for ventilation altogether. And so we're looking at using high flow nasal cannulas where we're just breathing oxygen. Uh, There's a hospital in Chicago. I don't have one with me, but, you know, using hoods, that's basically looks like you're going to outer space a little bit, but it's just a hood filled with oxygen. It's almost replicating hyperbaric in a small way, but at least it's getting enormous amounts of oxygen flow. And then hyperbaric itself, hyperbaric, you know, it has no effect. You don't feel the pressure when you're breathing. Uh, it's, It's a lot like being on an airplane. So the cabin pressurizes on an airplane. You feel that in your ears, but you don't feel that like on your body or your lungs. So you could still breathe very freely in a hyperbaric chamber, yet you could hyperoxygenate, you know, depending on the pressure you're using and the amount of oxygen you're using, you could increase oxygen anywhere from on the low end, 30%, and on the high end, you know, five, six, 10 times more oxygen than what we could normally get. And so, you know, this is a legitimate uh, tool that, that could and should be used, you know, potentially for a lot of these, especially mid-range COVID patients. In fact, there's uh, there's about three or four studies that are starting to formulate right now. I think two in New York, one in Louisiana, I think one in California, where they're starting to formulate a few double-blind studies, uh, actually not double-blind, but clinical trials on using hyperbaric for COVID patients. Interesting. So how does it work for somebody who has never done hyperbaric oxygen therapy? How long are they in it? How often do you recommend it? So you're literally inside a tube, for lack of a better word. Uh, There's a lot of different tubes that exist. Some are hard, like acrylic or steel, and some are soft. The chamber itself that you're inside, it just fills with either air or oxygen or some mixture of air and oxygen. And as it's filling, again, you don't feel that on your body. All you really feel are your ears. So the same way you would on an airplane, you know, just sort of pinch your nose and blow your ears, or some people yawn or chew some gum. All you have to do is make sure your ears are equalizing with the pressure. And then once you're at pressure, just like in an airplane, you might feel your ears as you're going up. But once you're at altitude, you don't feel anything anymore. You wouldn't even know that it was pressurized until you start coming down. And then all of a sudden you feel the pressure in your ears again. So it's very similar to that. But typically you're just laying down on a mattress. You have a pillow. You could read a book. You could take a nap. Sessions vary. So on the low end or short end, it would be about 30 minute session. On the long end, depending on how much pressure you're using, they could be 90 minutes, even two hours. 
Uh, I'd say the average is probably 60 minute sessions. And it's, you know, it's actually, it's, it's pretty comfortable. It's pretty relaxing. A lot of people just, you know, breathe and meditate really uh, inside. Let's talk a little bit about inflammation, Jason. Uh, we know that inflammation is at the root cause of so many diseases and weight loss resistance. And when we talk about inflammation, we're referring to cellular uh, inflammation, cell membrane inflammation. So what, what role does oxygen play with helping to reduce inflammation in the body? So a lot of ways. So one is, if, again, if you look at the circulatory system, part of the issue is is delivering oxygen into the cell. And part of that is carrying the carbon dioxide away from the cell so that that system can keep spinning. And so uh, if there's damage to the circulatory system at all, uh, hyperbaric oxygen actually helps rebuild the microcirculation of the area so that we can regain a normal flow in that tissue. So whether it's a leg or an arm or a lung or your head, you know, any of that damaged capillary system actually gets rebuilt as a result of hyperbaric oxygen. So that alone would help improve the inflammation because now it's getting rid of the waste products of the cells uh, so we can get, you know, get rid of those chemicals. But more importantly, there are these things called cytokines. So those are chemicals inside of our body that uh, produce inflammation. And to some degree, there's an amount of cytokine activity that's very normal and expected. You know, it's why when you get hit, you know, there's a bruise and it swells but it could also get carried away and there could be too much inflammation. So, you know, our body's constantly trying to regulate and balance those chemicals. Uh, hyperbaric oxygen has an amazing ability to actually take the pro-inflammatory, the chemicals that are causing inflammation and lower them, and then the anti-inflammatory cytokines and raise them. And then there's a series of uh, regulating cytokines. And so hyperbaric also helps to improve the activity of the regulators because those are the ones that are trying to maintain and, and keep that balance. So that's probably the main way it affects inflammation. But another way it does too, is that like we were saying before, if we can improve how much energy the body is making, we can improve that tissue types function. So let's say the liver's job is to re remove toxicity or make ketones. And so some patients who don't make enough ketones or can't get their glucose numbers low enough or their ketone levels high enough or uh, have trouble detoxifying, the liver becomes sluggish. And so if we can improve liver function by improving liver cell energy production, then we could make that system run a little bit faster and a little bit more efficiently. So by exposing the body to that hyperoxygenation by kicking the liver into gear, we could start improving ATP production or energy production, which will help the liver filter better, clear out toxins, you know, and other things like fatty acid metabolism and ketone production, things like that. Very cool. Yeah. I want to actually use that and do like an experiment with a client who is having a hard time getting into ketosis and having high glucose levels and have them do this on a consistent basis and see what you just explained. Uh, that's a great tool in that toolbox in the shed. I wanna take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking. I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform 
is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden your fat burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden your cells produce energy. So you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking Pureform every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product. If you want to get your bottle delivered to your door, head over to purelifescience.com. Check them out. Order a bottle or two, and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days. That is purelifescience.com. Use the coupon code BEN4 to apply a $4 off coupon. That is BEN. B-E-N and the number four. International shipping is available. Okay, let's go back into this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I know that in order to get the maximum effect is to do what you're recommending here, and I agree, to find uh, one of these machines and use them consistently. But what are some low-hanging fruit? What are some other things you can do that won't get you that amount of uh, an effect, but it'll still give you some sort of result when it, ter- when it comes to getting more oxygen flowing in the blood? I mean, besides hyperbaric, right? Besides hyperbaric, correct. So I think all oxygen therapies have a place. When somebody gets, you know, very involved in one particular tool, right, then they start to think that that tool is the best thing ever, right? So, but, you know, so there's conversations always between, you know, is hyperbaric better or is EWAT better, you know, which is exercise with oxygen therapy. So you're breathing oxygen while you're exercising. You know, that's a great tool. Ozone is a great tool. Each of these tools, though, they have they have their own place. They, they do different things. And so we would still want to use EWAT for certain issues that that might be a better solution. Or we might use ozone for certain issues where that's a better choice. You know, that those pieces could be debatable. What's not debatable is we need oxygen. And in many cases, we need more oxygen or more improved efficiency of oxygenating our tissues on a regular basis so that you know our system could become better and more efficient users of oxygen. So some simple things like you know breathing techniques, whether you're you know Wim Hof like breath holding or holotrophic breathing or you know cold even cold immersions like cold showers as to keep it as simple and cryo, you know these are all things that are going to change what you know what breath holding does just to give you some examples, uh, Wim Hof breathing is a series of breathing followed by a series of breath holds. And what our body becomes really good at is dumping oxygen from our red blood cells into our tissues. And so the longer you can, and the, and the more efficient you can hold your breath, what that really says is if I'm not putting more oxygen in, how much of the oxygen that I'm already holding can I actually let go of and to fill my cells with? So by doing breathing techniques like those, you could really become very efficient at dumping whatever oxygen you're already holding on to into those cells. The cold immersions, that creates what's called vasoconstriction. Vasoconstriction is when our blood vessels narrow. And when they narrow, they have a harder time 
circulating blood. And so when we get cold, the reason we shiver is because we're, we're actually like to our heart, to our lungs, to our brain, all the important tissue, we get vasodilation. So those blood vessels are getting bigger and to our hands and our feet and our legs, there's vasoconstriction, those are getting smaller. So we're trying to bring all the blood to the really important tissue to save you know, heart, lung, brain, et cetera. And so these cold immersions, they teach our body how to very efficiently open and close those blood vessels so that we become very efficient users of that oxygen. I think if more people just did those two things, their relationship or, or their body's relationship with oxygen would change dramatically. Oh, those are some great tips right there. Yeah, the body's amazing. I think there was a term called hunter's reflex where we, what you just explained. The body doesn't care about losing its extremities, but it cares about losing those vital organs. So it'll, it'll protect that. And that's where you get that benefit of that blood rushing to the vital organ. So great explanation. Your book, which is called Oxygen Under Pressure, Hyperbaric Oxygen, Revolutionize Healthcare, Reduce Inflammation, Reverse Aging, Restore Health. Fantastic book, by the way. And if you're not watching the YouTube video here, if you're listening to the podcast, it's a great book and you could get it on Amazon today. Is that where you want them to get it? Yeah, that's the easiest. And I have a question for you on the title here, on the subtitle. You put revolutionize healthcare. Why was that put here and why, what do you mean by that? So in so many times in, not in what you and I do necessarily, but in like traditional healthcare and traditional medicine, you know, our first choice is to jump to some sort of drug or some sort of medication to, you know, to ultimately, I feel this thing, please stop me from feeling this thing, give me this pill. And, you know, what we're doing is we're suppressing the body's ability to express itself. And we're blocking really important messages that our body is trying to tell us about how to save ourselves or to change the situation. Something as simple as oxygen, and it's not a magic bullet. It doesn't cure all these different things. I mean, if you saw all the conditions in the book that are listed, you know, you might think, wow, this is a magic bullet, but it's not curing any of those. It's literally, as I described earlier, it's just providing a nutrient that's required for life in a higher dose than we normally get it so that our body has a greater capacity to function and to heal itself. And so to me, allowing our body to heal itself and to create the internal environment that's most conducive to that healing process, we could see so many of these chronic illnesses virtually disappear. So to me, something simple like oxygen therapy, our cells already know exactly what to do with it. They do it every minute of every day already. We're just giving it a little extra. To give somebody something that foundational and to see so many things change in their body, to me, that's like frontline therapy. A patient comes in, they're very complicated, they have multiple systems that aren't functioning properly. We don't really know where to start because there's so many different aspects going on. Give them some oxygen. Watch the body change, watch the body start to heal, and all of a sudden you'll start to get a prioritization of, okay, these things, they're responding great. So we can kind of put that off to the side for a minute. These, they're not responding that well. Let's focus on that and start putting the pieces together for them so that they could heal. So to me, revolutionized healthcare is all about revolutionizing healthcare. I mean, we have to look at disease through a very different lens than traditionally we have been looking at it, and we have to look at healing through a new lens, very different than the one that we've looked at. And um, 
I think oxygen therapy is going to be one of those tools. Not It's not the only for sure, but it's definitely one of the big ones. Amen, brother. Yeah. So what you're saying is the oxygen is, it gives your body the building blocks to heal. It's not healing and curing anything. It's just giving your body those building blocks, which the body, as we know, is designed to do as long as it has the raw materials and as long as we're removing the interference. And that's where conventional medicine gets it wrong. They fail to acknowledge that. In the book, there are, you have a section about ketosis and fasting. I love that. <laughs> Gotta be there. It's got to be there. So let's talk a little bit more about that and as like a, a biohack because I have this, I have red light therapy. I have a sauna space right here and I use keto and fasting and I feel fantastic. You know, my energy levels are the best that it's ever been in my entire life. What are some other biohacks, practical biohacks that the audience listening or watching can do similar to keto and fasting and red light therapy to help them have more energy? So, you know, this comes up a lot and it's, the more I think about it, the more I realize that so many of the things that we're doing, either therapeutically with patients or modalities that we're using with patients, some of the most effective biohacks are literally just recreating what we should have been getting in the first place naturally in the office setting. So, you know, red light, which is it's an amazing tool and, and the, the benefits and the changes that our bodies go through from it are astounding. We would get red light from the sun. You know, the sun is white light. It has a full range of spectrum of light, but two things have happened. Well, three things have happened. You know, one, we're getting way too much blue light from all of our interior lighting and spending so much time inside and from our screens and our phones and our iPads and computers, right? So we're getting all this flooded blue light and we're avoiding the sun. So many people think, you know, that the sun is this terrible poisonous, you know, ball of fire in the sky. So we're constantly covered and avoiding it. When really what we need to be doing is just having very responsible sun exposures. And I think if we had very responsible sun exposures, we could be exposing ourselves to a, in a great amount of red light. Uh, we could be reducing by default because we're outside, we'll be reducing the amount of blue light that we would have access to. And all of a sudden we would see many of the shifts that you and I see when we're using our tools, uh, just from spending a little bit more time outside and getting some, some uh, responsible sun exposure. Being outside gives us that fresh air you know, do some good breathing, like I was saying, breathing exercises, but instead of doing them inside, do some outside, just get some fresh air breathing. You know, it's interesting. One of the, um, one of the articles I was reading about, it's actually about Spanish flu, but I was reading a whole bunch about it because of, you know, current events. And one of the things that was interesting was that in some areas where they didn't have the infrastructure, they needed to set up these outdoor hospitals. And these outdoor hospitals were really reserved for patients that didn't have the money to go to the inside hospital. And in the outside hospitals, they're getting fresh air, they were getting sunlight, and they were making them exercise. Hmm. And the responses to the patients from Spanish flu in the outdoor hospitals far exceeded the response from the patients from the inside hospitals. And it's, again, it's just recreating the same thing. You know, we use pulse or we use, you know, uh, PEMF. So, right, so these pulsed electromagnetic fields, we're trying to 
you know, basically reestablish a normal electrical response in our body. You know, one of the best settings, I think, on that of those machines is the electrical circuit of the earth. So just being outside in the sand, in the grass with your shoes off, grounding yourself, right? So you're grounding yourself, you're getting some sunlight and you're getting some fresh air and you're doing some breathing exercises outside. Just those basic steps could be literally life altering for so many of us. I love that. And right now during the quarantine, it's easier than ever to do that since we're all at home. So great, great tips right there. It's the fundamentals where we lay that foundation. Then we can start adding other things into the mix. So awesome. I love that. Interesting share about the Spanish flu outside hospitals. I, didn't, I haven't heard about that. Let's, let's transition here to brain diseases, right? We have Alzheimer's, we have dementia, we have these brain diseases that have skyrocketed over the years and it hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. So what role does oxygen play with those? Yeah. So again, you know, I don't want it to sound like oxygen is the only tool. So there are probably at this point, hundreds of studies on oxygen therapy and different types of brain, either illnesses or, uh, or traumas, you know, different things that affect our brain neurology and ultimately the effect that oxygen in particular, hyperbaric oxygen has on them. You know, the oxygen by itself is going to, one, it's going to heal damaged circulation. So whether it was a stroke, whether it was just, you know, small traumas over long periods of time, whether it was uh, damage from inflammation inside the brain, damaging the circulation, the hyperbaric chambers are going to help the body literally regrow and reestablish normal uh, microcirculation in the brain, which is going to allow for the delivery of oxygen to that damaged tissue. So that's probably the biggest role that it plays. However, it's also just going to upregulate brain function. So as brain cells, neurons, as brain cells get more oxygen, they could produce more ATP. As they produce more ATP, we can expect a higher level of function uh, to those same brain cells. So they do a couple studies where they're doing um, in, in healthy patients, but they're doing dual tasking, which we would call multitasking. So they're having a patient do you know this set of behaviors or tasks, and then this set of behaviors and tasks, and then doing both behaviors and tasks simultaneously. And then they're doing that pre-oxygen and post-oxygen. And literally every single time, every patient, there's an uptick in performance, how well the body can multitask or dual task as a result of the extra oxygen. So it begs the question, our brain uses about 20% of all the oxygen that our body gets. So the question becomes, is that 20% the optimum amount of oxygen that the brain requires to function? Or is it the maximum amount of oxygen the body is willing to share with the brain because the body needs oxygen for everything else that it's doing? And so then the question becomes, if we increase oxygen, can we see an increase in performance like the brain wished it got more, it just doesn't usually get it. And pretty much every time it says, yes, more oxygen equals increased performance and activity. So, and that shows up in a lot of these chronic illnesses also. Now, the other thing that you know very well is that if I had a patient with any degree of, let's say early signs dementia, I'm not just gonna do oxygen because while it does do all of those things and those things are critical, there's probably toxicity issues. There's almost definitely glucose metabolism issues. 
And all of those are going to negatively affect brain function too. So I want to get their blood sugar in check. I want to get them burning some fats, fatty acids. I want to get them into ketosis. I want to teach them how to fast. And I want to get them red light. And I want to get them oxygen, you know, because those are all the pieces for that mitochondrial, you know, if you really want to get a full rounded mitochondrial increased performance, you have to hit it at every point that we can to increase that energy metabolism. And those are all the pieces that we, that we affect. Uh, fantastic. It could also be used that uh, in a way for just somebody like an entrepreneur who wants to take their brain function to another level, uh, they could use this sort of therapy. If those tests are showing that, hey, we think that getting more oxygen to the brain actually helps with cognitive performance, even if you don't have some sort of brain disease or early stages of that, just to increase brain performance and, and cognition. Have you seen any of that? Absolutely. Yeah. So both in athletic performance physically and then also in um, you know brain performance in terms of our ability to calculate or create you know uh, studies have been done on on both brain side and body side uh, and see increases in performance either which way you look at it. What about stem cells? What role do stem cells play with all this? So stem cells are basically undifferentiated cells. So they're they haven't decided what they want to do when they grow up. So our body produces these stem cells. And if our liver is damaged and we need liver cells, it'll send stem cells to the liver to become liver cells. If, if there's brain damage, we should be able to send stem cells to the brain to, you know, to heal the brain tissue. So there's a lot of talk about how do we affect these stem cells or should we be getting stem cell injections or IV stem cell or exosomes? There's all kinds of great ways of trying to improve the body's response to inflammation and damage and to respond to be able to heal that those tissues. So hyperbaric plays a few roles. One is it's the fuel source or one of the fuel sources that allows for stem cells to continue to decide who they wanna be when they grow up, what cell type they're gonna become, and then differentiate into that cell type. But most importantly, there's a lot of research to show that hyperbaric actually stimulates, because of the way it helps us heal, a lot of healing has to do with growth factors, these regenerative growth factors that need to be stimulated in order for a damaged tissue to heal. It's the same that we would need for like young tissue to grow. And so a lot of that has to be in similar families as these stem cell factors. And so hyperbaric actually stimulates stem cell uh, release and mobilization to different areas in order to promote that healing. So, you know, we have patients still who will do exosome therapies or stem cell therapies, which is also great. In many cases, what we do is we try to prepare the body for the, that whole process. Because we know, I mean, you, I'm sure you'll agree, if, if you take a you know, inflamed, damaged, unhealthy environment and you stick all the stem cells you want into that environment, they're going to become in, inflamed, dysfunctional, injured stem cells the internal environment ultimately dictates the behavior of, of all cell function. So we need to be able to clean that up and create an environment that's actually conducive to the response that we're trying to get. So in so many cases, we would put them through metabolic therapies, different food changes, fasting and or ketosis maybe. We would do a whole series of hyperbaric before they got stem cells because we're going to upregulate the body's ability to start making and releasing those stem cells, then they can get those therapies because now they're deflamed, their fuel sources are all balanced, their, their body is ready to accept it. And then we would follow that up with further metabolic therapies and further 
you know, oxygen therapies. We had a patient, this is good uh, if you have a minute. So we had a yeah. patient, 78, and this is probably two years ago. Uh, she was 78, pretty bad uh, knee issues, bilateral. She wanted to do stem cells. They were going to do, you know, pull her own from fat tissue, spin them and, and re-inject them. And, they were, and the guy, you know, they did a, a sample test and they said, you, you really don't have enough uh, stem cells, it's not going to be meaningful for you. I don't really want to waste your money. You should look for other alternatives. So she came back and she told me the story and she was, she was pretty devastated. And I said, listen, you know, I don't know how much more we can get, but if you're willing to go through a process with me, I think there are some steps you could take to improve your stem cells so that you actually could get the therapy that you want. And so she was a great patient. She did everything. So we, we literally ran her through TCD. So we detoxed her. We got her into ketosis. I got her doing four and five day fasts, which she swore she could never do, you know, and she was great. I mean, besides losing weight and feeling better, then she was actually borderline whether she wanted to do the therapy in the first place because she was, <laughs> she was already doing better. We did uh, 20 hours of hyperbaric. She went back to the stem cell doctor. They did another retrieval and she, they, they said, you have the stem cells of a 42 year old. Like, what did you do? And so she told him and he was like, wow, that's a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that. But meanwhile, she got the therapy she needed and she's doing fabulous. And she continues to do now all the other things that we did to get her in that place. And, and oh, she's, she's got a fabulous quality of life. That's a great story right there. You got to love those patients that do everything you recommend. Right. right. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> if I'm going to do this with you, you got to do it all. She's like, I'll do everything. I said, okay, let's do it. So then a, a cool biohack might be, and you could tell me if, if this is if it makes sense, to do hyperbaric oxygen therapy towards the end of a block fast, uh, like a five-day fast when you're utilizing all those stem cells. Would that make sense? Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Once, once your body starts upregulating on its own, you know, you don't want to get in the way of the, um, especially like some of the initial autophagy and debris cleaning. So like let the body do that. But as you're going to get really into this like, surge of regeneration, flood it with oxygen for sure. Um, as you refeed, you want to refeed oxygen too. So mm. definitely that's exactly right. Interesting. Yeah. As you refeed, you want to refeed oxygen. I love that. Okay. Well, Jason, this has been a lot of fun. Where, where's the best place to find your work? So probably the most current would be our YouTube channel. We put out a few videos every week. That's, so that's HBOT USA on YouTube. People could email me support at hbotusa.com. Absolutely. You know, I think that that book, you know, it's written for either, you know, the average person and or a doctor. You know, I tried to read, write it in a way that pretty much anyone would understand it. So, you know, the principles and the foundations of, of how and why it works, that's all in there and how and why it works for so many different conditions. It's pretty well spelled out in there. So uh, for sure, people should take a look at that if they're interested to learn more. Yeah, I'll put a link for everything you mentioned in the YouTube video down below here and the podcast as well. Uh, the book is well-written. It's a scientific book, but it's written in a way that makes sense just to anybody who wants to read it. So you're right. I got that impression when I read it. Dr. Jason Saunders and his wife, Melissa, we are colleagues. We all work together with Dr. Pompa and, and our group, and I can't speak highly of the work that you're doing. Uh, I love the work you put out on your YouTube channel. It's great. You've been so consistent on there. You have an interview with Ben Greenfield, Mercola. So definitely go subscribe to their YouTube channel. It's just HBOT USA. Is that correct? Yeah. HBOT USA, and I'll put a link down below. So I want to acknowledge you for the knowledge you shared on this episode. I learned a lot. I believe the audience did as well. I can't wait to read about your next book and the next things you're going to do. And I can't wait to see you and Melissa in person. And I thank you for being on the show. 
Thank you, Ben. It's been great. Well, I hope you geeked out on oxygen like I did. I know that you're inspired to get some oxygen in your body. Be sure to go check out their wonderful YouTube channel, which is titled HBOT USA on YouTube. We'll put a link for that down below. Go get his book on Amazon. We will also put a link for that down below. And I uh, hope you got value from this episode. I imagine you did. And if you did, text this to a friend who you think could benefit from this episode. And please, please, please leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show grow. We put a lot of energy and resources and money to making sure we get this podcast out to you every week. And just by you leaving the show a rating and review, it helps the algorithm and get this show into other people's hands. So please do so if you haven't done so already. Take a screenshot of this and post it on Instagram. Do it for the gram. Shoot me a tag at TheBenazadi and at KetoCampOfficial. And then shoot Dr. Saunders a tag over at HBOTUSA. Him and his wife, Melissa Saunders, Dr. Melissa Saunders, are both such incredible human beings. I work with both of them in Dr. Pompa's Platinum Program. We're in this mission together, and they have a fantastic YouTube channel, a fantastic Instagram, and they're both amazing health practitioners. So go take a screenshot, post this. When I see it, I'll share it on my stories. A reminder to go get signed up and secure your spot for my keto and fasting webinar taking place on June 19th, 2020. Head to benazadiwebinar.com. Hopefully we still have some open spots available for you. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You will hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.